This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, everybody. What is going on? How you doing? Welcome to episode... 290 Talking Buffalo podcast. Big props to everybody out there as always for continuing to listen and download. Support the podcast really means a lot to me. If you have not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do that right now. Rate and review, all that fun stuff. Uh, So I'll tell you what, we're taking a little pivot away from sports talk today. This isn't a sports only pod. It never has been. And that's not by accident either. So in just a minute, I'm going to be joined by Gabrielle Mediak. She's a fantastic reporter at Channel 4 in Buffalo. Part of that Wake Up Buffalo team. Very talented. And I'll say this too. Genuinely, and I really mean this. One of the nicest people you're ever going to meet and talk to. Uh, We talk about her life and her career. We give fans and listeners an opportunity to know a lot more about her. And by the way, this is quite literally the first podcast she's ever done in her career, ever. So I feel pretty special about that. We talk about her growing up in Lancaster, uh, going to Buff State for college, spending almost her entire life in Western New York. Uh, We talk about her joining WIVB-TV in early 2019. Uh, We talk about her job, the Western New York community, what makes it so special for her. Uh, Talk a little pizza, Little Wings, and then of course, end with the Fun Fact Finale, which is just that, a bunch of Gabby Fun Facts. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. Again, I'll have that for you in just a minute. Before that, though, I do want to let you know that today's show is being supported by our friends at 26 Shirts. So, you guys already know the deal with 26 Shirts. They roll out a new Buffalo theme design shirt every two weeks. And that shirt is tied into a specific charitable cause. And they sell that shirt for 26 bucks. Here's the really cool part about what they do. For every single shirt that is sold, every shirt, a donation is made to that specific affiliated cause. Since they opened up their doors for business back in 2013, 26 shirts has now managed to raise and donate over a million bucks. $1 million in counting is just unbelievable. Del Reed, that crew, they do such an amazing job. They enrich the lives of so many deserving people, so many causes. It's awesome to see. And by the way, these are not just outstanding looking design shirts. They're comfy. They're sporty to wear. They look great on you. Got a bunch of them myself. Head on over to 26shirts.com and see what cause needs you this week. And on that note, let's get at it. Here it is, my interview with Channel 4's Gabrielle Mediak. (music) 
All right, my guest today is a news reporter and a fantastic storyteller at WIVB TV Channel 4 in Buffalo. He's part of the station's wake-up team. And by the way, born and raised in Western New York, so a Western New York native, Gabriel Mediak. What's going on, Gabe? How you doing? Hey, guys. I'm good. How are you, Patrick? I'm very good, and I'm excited to have you on. It's been it's been quite a while because, you know, the Bills season ran into the playoffs pretty deep, and... uh so it's been pretty much all football and all sports, but I've been looking forward to having an opportunity to get some news media people on and just give fans an, an opportunity to learn more about you beyond just the fantastic work that you do. So yeah, I'm really excited to have you on today. Well, thank you so much for the kind words and thank you for having me on. This is actually my first podcast ever, Patrick. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. As much TV as you do, I would have figured you've done a million podcasts by now, but that's cool, man. I, I, it makes this feel kind of a little bit special. Now, I want to go all the way back to the beginning. Okay. So I mentioned, I mentioned right at the top, you're a Western New York native, born and raised. Now, you were born and raised in Lancaster, correct? You got it. Lancaster, New York. What was life like for you as a young Gabby running around Lancaster? So young Gabby pretty much just stayed in Lancaster. Like literally until I was in my 20s, I never explored even Orchard Park. So <laughs> I had a very, um, what did you call it? Not like private life, but we kind of just stuck in our backyard. We had a pool. We had all this fun with my cousins. And then as I grew up a little bit, like I kind of went outside of Lancaster, especially when, you know, I got into news and got to explore the area a lot more. But yep, I'm from here, Lancaster native and been here my whole life. What are like some of the things that you were into as a kid limiting yourself to Lancaster? Like a few of your favorite hobbies. You mentioned, you know, you had a swimming pool in the back. Were you in anything like in terms of like sports and music or art? Like just were some of the things that you enjoy doing? Yeah, it's really funny because um, I cheered for like a year. It was through Airlines. It wasn't through Lancaster. So that was just like, oh, let's try this out. It sounds fun. But I was really like involved in a ton of music at Lancaster. I was in show choir, concert choir, um, all the musicals growing up. So that's what we did a lot of. And a lot of swimming by the pool, hanging outside with the family. And um, I guess as I got older, a little bit like more outside of here. At what age were you or what point in your life, if you can remember, did it kind of click in your mind that, you know, being in broadcast journalism might be something that you would be interested in pursuing as a career? Was it when you were a young kid? Was it in high school? Was it in college? Because I've, again, I've had many people on from the media on this podcast and it really varies. Some people know when they're five, six years old that, Hey, I want to, I want to do this for a living. I want to be on TV. Sometimes they're, they're much older from what you can remember anyway with you. How was that like? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, when I was little, I always liked the spotlight. And I think that's why I did all the musicals and plays and everything. And then me like being a realist, I'm like, okay, I'm never going to, you know, make it as a big time singer. So at the time, I think I was like 18 or so. I'm like, hmm, you know, what's the next best thing? So at the time I was like, oh, it'd be really cool to be on TV. And then I grew into like loving storytelling and helping people. But at first it was really just like the aspect of like the glamour of it. And then you get into it and you find out it's not quite as glamorous as you thought. <laughs> <laughs> were you, uh, were you an outgoing kid? Were you, were you introverted? Oh, very outgoing. I think that that totally carried into 
my career and like the rest of my life. I've always been a talker. I've always liked being around people and talking to people. And then just, you know, working in news, you get to talk to people every day. And also you get to help them too, which I really, really grew to love so much. Now you went on to go to Buff State for college. I love asking people this because, you know, a lot of the reasons vary. Why did you go to Buff State for college? And were there other schools at that time that you were interested in or that you considered? Or was were you pretty much locked in uh, the Buff State from the beginning? Okay, so you know me initially in my little Lancaster bubble. Um, I was like, I want to stay close <laughs> to home. So I applied to um, Buff State and Canisius. And I got into both of them. And I didn't want to dorm, so I did Buff State. <laughs> But I clearly like we'll get into how I like expanded my surroundings a little bit because I'm sounding like a big homebody right now, which I still kind of am. But yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> now, as you got older, you know, I'm sure you've done at least a little bit of traveling outside of just Western New York. But like when you grew, I mean, you grew up in Western New York. Did you like literally go anywhere else? Besides, like, did you go on any like family vacations or anywhere <laughs> or like from... As a kid, were you like literally locked into Western New York? Okay, I've, I've never even realized how locked in I was until this conversation right now. But we, we did go on family <laughs> vacations. We went to Florida. We went to Jamaica. So like, you know, we did some things. But for the most part, it was like school, choir, this, that, home. And, you know, spend the summer in the backyard. <laughs> now, when you were at Buff State, like what were some of the things that you did while you were there that helped like sharpen your skills and prepare you for a career. And also, by the way, I, so I, I've read, you know, a lot of stuff on you and, and you've got a lot of intern experiences. Uh, I see channel seven, channel two, time Warner, 97 rock. That's a lot of opportunities to learn. Like, how did you take, like, again, what did, like, what did you learn while at Buff state? And again, a lot of sports media, people, a lot of news people, people in broadcast journalism have went to Buff state It's a popular school for that. But between while you were there, and like I said, some of these internships, uh, what are some of the things that you learned? Like, was it a, a long process to, to to sharpen your skills or do you kind of feel like being in front of the camera and doing what you do is just something that's kind of come naturally to you? So with Buff State, of course, I loved it because it was close to home and there were so many people that were in the business and had all this experience. Like literally almost every single one of my professors was somehow in news, whether it was um, a news director at a station or whether it was someone writing for the paper or this or that. So there was always somebody connected and making those connections and, you know, just really getting to know people and getting your foot in the door places. That was huge for me. So just Buff State in itself with the connections of those instructors that I had, that helped me a lot along the way. All the internships I had, um, really, it's funny because my news director now at Channel 4, she was one of my first internships like way back in the day at Channel 7 at the time. So ironically enough, Channel 4 is the only like local media place around here that I did not intern at, and it's where I work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is. That, that's ironic. Um, so not your first gig in, in the business at your school was Time Warner Cable. Now, of course, that's known as Spectrum. And I read originally you were a producer yeah. and, a, and a news assistant. Yep. And then eventually became a reporter covering news in Syracuse and, and Elmira. How did that experience prepare you for what came next, which, of course, is WIBB? And uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But that experience at Time Warner slash, you know, and then Spectrum, which, by the way, that was also the only time in your life that you've been outside of Western <laughs> yes. New York, right? Yes, that's what I was just going to say. So I started in Buffalo 
And I interned at Spectrum. And then shortly after I graduated from Buff State, uh, I got my foot in the door there as, um, as you mentioned, a news assistant. So I was able to go out in the field and shoot stuff and also like interview with newsmakers. And then I'd go back and I put it together for an anchor to read. So that was great experience. And then I moved into a producer role, like, you know, writing everything for the anchor to say and, you know, really getting your news judgment down and learning a lot. Then I wanted to be a reporter. I was like, okay, I think I've got it down now. I'm ready for the next step. So I was torn between going to Corning, New York or Georgia, like literally Georgia, all the way, Albany, Georgia, two hours past Atlanta. So I was tied. I was going to go between those two. And when Corning came up, it was so much closer and it was only two hours away and I could still drive back and forth. And at the time, you know, I was like, yeah, I'd never had an experience really away from home. So I picked Corning, like I flew down to Georgia, did the whole experience, got the job, but picked this one instead. And I loved Corning, New York. It is such a cute, quaint little town. I learned so much there. I did my first live shots there. I gained so much valuable experience because I was by myself in a bureau. So it was like me in a closet versus like two fully staffed stations. So (laughs) it was a lot of work in doubles. It was a lot of, you know, really learning the business by myself out there and you know honing my skills then i got moved up into our syracuse newsroom so that was another two hours and a little bit of a different direction and again not too far from home but again gained a lot of valuable experience there made a lot of friendships there and my best advice is i know it's tough you know for kids just starting out going away from home or going away from their area. They want to start off in a bigger market, but that small market experience I think is invaluable. Like I learned so much. I can't even imagine doing my first live shot here in Buffalo because by the time I got here, I was so comfortable, you know, like I can't, I used to be so nervous when I first started. Yeah, for sure. And and again, it takes time to, to hone your craft and that's precisely what you did. So now let's fast forward Mm -hmm. uh, January of 2019 you get hired by WIVB TV channel four. This is one of my favorite questions. I love, I love finding out stories on how people got their jobs, like where they're at for you. How did the opportunity come about for you? And what was that process like? Now, normally I would ask somebody if it was a difficult decision to take their job (laughs) in their hometown or because often they might have an opportunity to work, like say an example for you, like in Buffalo, or maybe they're like, uh, I don't know, in Montana or right. Missouri or something like that. And they would say, you know, a difficult decision. I'm going to assume, again, <laughs> you've been in Western New York, born and raised, and how much you love Buffalo, that would have been an easy decision for you anyway. But how did that opportunity come about to get in the Channel 4? And what was that process? Well, you know how much I love the area, how much I love Lancaster, Buffalo. I was working hard to get back home. So I, as I mentioned, I was in Corning for that year. Then I was in Syracuse for another year. And my whole goal was to be gone for two years and to be back by the end of that second year. So I literally had it in my contract. I had a Buffalo out. I was like, once that job comes, I'm ready to take it. And um, Lisa, who is my news director, Lisa Polster, she was my teacher at Buff State. So there was that connection there. And she kind of, you know, kept an eye on me while I was out, watched me grow a little bit. And then when she felt, you know, I was ready to come here in Buffalo, I was offered a position and I like was so excited. I still remember the moment I found out I was actually on the beach with a couple of my friends in the Syracuse area. And I was so excited. It felt like, oh my God, finally, like I was like playing in the waves. Like she called me and I was like, are you kidding? I'm so excited to come home. So that was just an awesome moment. And it's hard to believe it was uh, over two years ago now. Yeah, for sure. I got to ask you this. I want you to tell me a little bit about 
the life of a morning reporter because oh God, yeah. <laughs> it's one of the most fast it's one of the most fascinating things to me. I've had one of your colleagues, uh, Kelsey, was on a handful of weeks ago, and I spoke with her about it. I've had some people on from others, uh, Melissa Holmes. I've had conversations with her, uh, yeah. Katie Morris, uh, people who just work in the morning. It is a I don't want to say it's a crazy life, but it's different. Um, you know, how long did it take you to get used to that kind of work cycle and, and just lifestyle and talk a little bit about it? Like what time you generally get up in the morning and what your daily routine is like? Because again, it is different than somebody who works a typical nine to five or a second shift job. Oh yeah. No question. Um, I'm still not used to the hours because I'm a natural night owl. So I've been doing mornings ever since I worked in Syracuse. So it's been well over three years now. And my body still does not adjust. Like on the weekends, I will go right back to staying up until like two in the morning, which is horrible because yeah. I wake up at three in the morning. So it's it's a little bit of a struggle in that sense. So I, usually, typically I get up at three. I have to be at work by four and on air by five. So it's kind of like you get in the door, you get ready. Well, backtrack a little bit. You get out of bed, you get ready quickly. You make it to channel four, got to get my car out, got to write my script really quickly. And then I have to drive to whatever location they have me live at. So it's like between four and five, that hour is like poof gone. Cause you're like running and gunning. And then <laughs> I, I don't know if it's like this at other stations, but we have a four and a half hour morning show. So minimum, the minimum every day I have eight live shots. And then after that, I'll put together usually a different piece for noon. So it's kind of like I'm running all day. And then when it's 1230, I have the rest of the day to myself. So that's how we're talking today. So it's a bit of a bear, the schedule, because I like to stay up late. So a lot of nights I'm up until like 10 at night. I think I was talking to you on Twitter and you were like, why are you still up right now? I'm like, well, that's just yeah. me. <laughs> I, just, I almost yelled at you. I was like, go to bed, will you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a it's a different schedule. A lot of people are more regimented than I am. Like some of my friends at work, they're much better about sleeping than me. I just love staying up. And but when, I can get up early though, and I, I can give it like that enthusiasm in the morning still, even though I'm tired. Yeah, I mean, as long as you could do it, obviously do it. But like <laughs> when you do eventually, because time for time, I don't care if you're a teenager, your twenties, thirties, fifties, it don't matter. At some point, you physically wear out and break down a little bit. Like when you're actually being a good girl and you say, you know what, I'm going to give myself a, a decent night's sleep. Yeah. Like what's, what, what time would you generally go to bed at? If I'm being good, I get in bed at seven and I hope to fall asleep by eight 30. Does it take, I mean, you've done this for a while now, like you said, even before Buffalo. So you did morning reporting. So you're at least somewhat used to this. Yeah. In fact, not more than somewhat. You are kind of used to it anyway, but I can't imagine just the process that it must take to to learn how to, I would assume that, if, like if it was me, I'm thinking if I had to go to bed that early and get up as early as I do, because there's no way I would ever be able to get up that early. But right. like I would say like DVR is like DVR, one of your best friends, like I'm sure there's some TV shows or something that you probably enjoy at night, but you know, if they don't even come on until nine o'clock, you got to miss some of them. Now, again, in your case, you admit it, you like to, you stay mm -hmm. up, have, have to stay up late. So you probably do watch more shows than some other people who might have to get up in the morning, but like just the process, like do, do you get used to like at least occasionally having to miss out on stuff at night because of the, the, the craziness of your work schedule? I think that is the one part that I just hate about my schedule. Cause for the most part, I love everything else, but it's just, 
you know, in the summer sometimes if there's stuff going on or what, well, you know, with The Bachelor, I love that show and I will stay up for that most times. Sometimes I'll DVR it, but I can usually stay up until 10 and wake up by three. Okay. Like, cause I sleep like a terrible human. So I'm used to that. <laughs> but in the summer, it is tough. Like I find myself just staying up later and still trying to do things in the summer and then just trying to take a nap like the next day. So that's the one part of the shift that is tough for me. On the other side of that, mornings, you get to do a lot more featurey things and more fun stories and positive news. And that's like right up my alley. So, you know, I can do breaking news. I'm good with that. I can do hard news, news of the day, whatever. But my absolute favorite are those positive stories. And they really fit best in the morning, like helping people wake up. So as much as sometimes you feel like you're missing stuff at night, I feel like I wouldn't have as much fun on another shift. Sure. And also I would think that maybe a trade-off is having afternoons to do whatever you want to do while some people are, you know, somebody works a nine to five, they're stuck in their office till five o'clock. You can get out you get shopping done or, you know, whatever it is that you enjoy doing and you can enjoy during the day. So I'm sure there's some pros to it as well. And again, it's probably, it's probably just a, a matter of getting used to it. Now, when it comes to COVID, okay, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about COVID. Obviously it's very frustrating. Mm -hmm. It's been very life-changing, but specific to your line of work, what you do, what were like a few of the the challenges of having to work through all this craziness that's went on and it's still going on. Obviously, you know, it's completely changed how you do your job, at least sometimes anyway, some stories that you do. Uh, just talk a little bit about like some of the challenges that have come specific to your job and your line of work because of COVID. Yeah. So at first, if we want to think back almost a year now in March, I remember it was my birthday and the next day, like the whole world was like shut down. I was like, okay. So uh, at the time I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be able to have my little birthday bash that I had like planned. (laughs) And I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be over in like two months. It's fine. Nope. So here we are today. Um, Way back in March, I worked from home for a little bit just because, you know, I wanted to be safe. I have asthma. So just, you know, being super cautious. So for a couple months, I worked at home and I was able to do good news with Gabby, which are like nice positive stories. And I would put them together myself. Then I came back to work over the summer because things were like, you know, a little bit better. I felt more comfortable. And I told her, yep, I'm ready to come back. I'm excited. So we did our normal, typical live shots. We'd be outside. I'd usually be by myself. Now, um, as we moved into, you know, the winter months when things were getting a little bit worse again, Anytime we do a live interview since COVID started, obviously, like the other person needs to be in a mask. We have to be six feet apart. For a while, we had to carry around like this divider that we were putting between us. But then like it was just like it was too windy for it and it was like blowing over and stuff. So (laughs) it's like trial and error. But we both have to be mic'd up like no like passing the mic anymore, like no holding the mic for your guest. So that's made it different. Um. Even as a team, like my photographer and I used to drive together, but everybody drives separately now. So there's just a lot of things. I'm not in the building. I'm a remote person. So even though I'm like doing the live shots, I don't get to like come in and be at my desk in the morning because certain people are in the building and certain people are out of the building to like stick with the criteria. So it's definitely been a learning curve the whole time. It's definitely made the job harder, but I'm still glad that I get to do it in some capacity because I know a lot of people are just working from home, which has its pros for sure. But like, I definitely missed being out there. So it's nice to be able to be out and about. Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure at least to some extent, I mean, you're never going to get fully used to it. And right. hopefully there's some light at the end of the tunnel now. And before you know it, 
you'll be able to get back to doing reporting the way that you were trained to right. and that you always have before this. But to some extent, you, you'll probably get a little bit used to it. Now, when it comes to your TV station or any TV station, again, I've had you know a good amount of people from TV stations here mm-hmm. on the podcast. And one of the things I, I like talking to them about is relationships with colleagues at the TV station. Like, Talk mm-hmm. a little bit about the relationships inside a TV station and how important it is to having a successful newscast and all that stuff. Now, that's not to say that every single person that works together here are BFFs, but having good relationships, you know, and a successful newscast and a a successful TV station, that's important. So talk about a couple of your colleagues that you work with and just the importance of having a good relationship with them. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think it definitely shows on TV, whether you know it or not. Like, I feel like viewers, they just know. So luckily, in my experience, every station I've worked at, I've had an awesome team. And like, especially now, I've been with Channel 4 for over two years now and on Wake Up that entire time. So we've got Mel, Dave, me, Kelsey, Erica's on there a lot, and Mike Saika, of course, and Jazz, our new traffic reporter. So we, I hate to sound like super cliche, but those people are like family to me. Like really, like we get each other birthday presents. We celebrate with each other. We text each other all the time. Like the first day I started working at Channel 4, my first live shot was just with Mel and Dave. And I knew right away that I was going to be super comfortable with them. And I think that's so important because like I said, it really shows on air. Like your laughs are real. Your like friendship is real. And I think like just hanging out outside of work, like, you know, prior to COVID, like Kelsey and I would hike all the time. Mel and I would like be on her boat. And like, there's just a lot of great camaraderie on our team. And I just think it really shows like it's genuine, you know, and it's nice to be part of something genuine because like, you know, you watch TV, you're maybe like, oh, who knows if they're really like that in real life. And like, it really is. Everyone is just as nice as they seem on TV. Like I remember coming to the station when I started and like meeting Jackie and Don, like I watched them growing up and everything. And they were just as nice as can be and like such great role models. And everyone's like that there. So I feel really lucky to be in a place where everybody is genuinely kind and always trying to help each other. You all, you hit the nail right on the head. You can't fool the consumer. Right. If, if, it, if it's not genuine, I, I think people definitely see through it for sure. So Mm -hmm. chemistry, you can't fake chemistry. You know, chemistry can't be faked. Either you have it or you don't. And Channel 4 definitely has it for sure. Now, in terms of being a a local news reporter who is born and raised in Western New York, do you feel like in some ways, at least that growing up in the towns that you cover on the news, it's a little bit advantageous because if nothing else, you know, the community and the region, like the back of your hand. Do you think that matters when it comes to somebody who covers that town? Oh yeah, absolutely. I I was, I'm telling you, like I worked in other markets. I had to learn, you know, pronunciations of things. I cannot tell you how nice it is to just already know to really be embedded in the community. I liked storytelling in other places, but it's so much more special here 
because, you know, I grew up here. I know that place. Like I went there growing up. I, you know, it's just like so much history and it just means so much to be telling stories about my own community. And again, not knocking the other places I worked. I love telling stories there, but I worked so hard to get back here to tell stories for my own community. So I think it's just a huge bonus to work here. And it's kind of unlike anything else because I really liked Syracuse. I loved Corning. Like they were great spots, but I always had this end goal of being back here. And I hope to be here for a really long time and being able to tell people stories and, you know, maybe one day be like a Jackie Walker, you know? Yeah, for sure. No question about it. Now, we spent some time talking about the sleep schedule and, you know, occasionally you're going to have to miss some stuff because of your job and the lifestyle that, that comes with it. Like for an example, if I said, Hey Gabby, you, you want to go to the club tonight? There's karaoke and, and you got to work the next morning at three right. o'clock in the morning. Probably not going to work for you. That's been like probably the most challenging aspect yeah. of your career on the other side of the spectrum. though, and I know there's a lot that you love about it and you could hear it in your voice, the enthusiasm that you have for what you do. What would you consider like your favorite part of the job? Like what do you enjoy doing the very most? There's a lot, I'm sure. I know. <laughs> you have me silent for a second, which is really <laughs> rare. I'm really thinking on this one. Uh, I guess my favorite part is being able to be out and about with people and being able to tell their stories. I, some of my favorite ones are the ones where I've been able to really make a difference and help people. And then on the other end of things, I've been able to do some really cool things like not here per se, but I've done like a live shot in a hot air balloon before. Like you get to experience things sometimes before the public does. Sometimes sure. you, know, you get in at this place. So like I've been able to do some really cool things, meet some cool people and also help people, which is really my favorite part. Yeah, for sure. Now, what is your take on social media? And let me say this. On one hand, I know this as a media person, it gives you an opportunity to connect with your audience on a much more personal level. And obviously it's to your benefit as well, because you can get the stories that you put together. You can get them out for the world to consume instantly. I mean, as soon as you hit that send button on your tweet, somebody anywhere in the world who follows you on Twitter, or who follows a news station, whatever, they have the ability to see that. That's obviously really good. Um, but, and I'm sure as you know, too, there's, there's an ugly side to Twitter as well with mm -hmm. just trolls and, you know, just mean people, man, who their goal and their purpose of being on Twitter is nothing more than inciting reactions from whether it's celebrities or, or news people or athletes, anybody really, you know, right. like how do you balance? And, and by the way, I should say this too. You're very positive. I could tell just from this conversation, you're a very positive person. And I also see that on Twitter. You're a very positive person as well. But again, like I said, how do you balance, you know, like the benefits of having social media, more specifically Twitter or versus the pitfalls of it? Like I said, because it could be an ugly place. I'm sure. Like, how do you handle those trolls and, and those people? Because I'm sure you encounter them. You live a public life. You know, you're in the public eye. You do news for a living. I'm sure you encounter some trolls, some idiots. How do you, uh, how do you, how do you balance that? Like what's, what's your take on, on social media? Okay. So I think social media, super powerful, awesome way to get a story out there, a word, you know, anything out there that a message you're trying to push 
it makes it a hundred times easier than before we had social media. So I, with that point, I love sharing positive stories on social media because for the most part, you're going to get positive reaction, you know, unless you get like a random troll and you're like, why are you trolling this positive story? Even if I get them, I'll look at it for a second and I'll be like, hmm, that's kind of weird. And I just usually choose not to respond. Luckily, for the most part, like I've mentioned, I like to do feel good stories. So I don't get as much of that as I think other reporters do that are, you know, maybe on a harder beat every day. I will say when I'm doing like, you know, Cuomo type stories or like more COVID related days, that is when you get more negative people, which, you know, they're out there. So you just got to deal with it. But for the most part, I am really lucky. Knock on wood. I hope you don't, I hope this doesn't come back to bite me in the butt, but so far so good. Nothing that's ever like really been awful. So for the most part, it's been a really positive tool especially on Facebook. Like it's a really cool way to connect with viewers too. And for them to like see a little bit of your personal life too. So I think overall, I think there's more good than bad, but I know that I'm not, I I know a lot of people won't agree with me on that. My grandma, for instance, ever since I was little, she's like, computers are the devil. Like I remember her saying that when we were growing (laughs) up. (laughs) Some people differ, but I think it can be used for more good. Well, keep doing what you're doing and whatever you do, don't don't like transition into sports where you might have to sit there and put out some negative tweets about the Buffalo Bills because, you know, a player, Josh Allen's playing like crap and then you're a reporter and your job's to tell the truth, not necessarily what people want to hear. If you want, if you want some good old fashioned social media hatred, put out something like (laughs) that. I can imagine. (laughs) Now we're opposite in, in this way. And I, I kind of a little bit envious of you right now at the moment anyway. So you're born and raised in Western New York. You've spent, with the exception of a pit stop, you've spent your life there. Okay. I am born and raised in Western New York as well. I have lived down in Florida now for the past five years. I'm so jealous. Um, I am very, no, 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 no. Here's where I'm going with, here's where I'm going with this. I am, there's an end game for me. Okay. And it involves getting back to Buffalo. But right. anyway, that's. Right. But that right now I miss it. And in my case, it kind of took me away to go away from Buffalo to live in another part of the country to kind of make me realize some of the stuff about Buffalo that you take for granted and that you miss. Now, in your case, somebody like you, and this is a, a compliment to you, you didn't need to go away to realize how much you love Buffalo. So what I'm asking is this, what is it about Buffalo? Like you talked about, even with your career, your goal was always to get back to Buffalo. Obviously that means you love Buffalo. What is it about Buffalo to you that, that you love the most that makes you want to be a part of the community? I'm sure in your case, hopefully for your life, you know, you probably want to spend your whole life in this area. Like why, like, what is it about Western New York and Buffalo that you love so much? Well, got to start off with the people. I think Our community as a whole is a pretty positive community. You know, we back our teams, we back the Bills, we back the Sabres, we back each other. And I mean, I think we all saw it during the playoff run, just how excited we were. And like, it was so great to have something to root for together after so many years. And it's just like the camaraderie and 
the history. You know, I know that I'm not not to like just talk about the bills, but to go back in time here, you know, we had something to prove. And I like that us as a city, I feel like we have something to prove and we just keep growing. Before COVID, you know, really in a renaissance. And I think that we are getting back and going back in that direction beyond just, you know, the feeling of Buffalo and the feeling of home. Ah, I love our summers. Like you cannot beat our summers. Winters right. are tough when you've got eight live shots in the snow in the morning, but <laughs> it's yeah. fun to go sledding though. Or if you go skiing, it's fun. But yeah, so winters, they beat me up a little bit, but that's just with my job. And I think that just the way that you have the seasons kind of outweighs the cons there. Cause I do love the fall. I do love the spring. So basically the people, the seasons, and just, the feeling of home, not to sound like super cliche, but I know, you know, cause you're from here too. Sure. Absolutely. You know, it's funny though. The one thing you were just talking about the weather, this is the time of year right now, literally early February. I don't, as much as I do miss Buffalo, I don't miss it right now. Exactly. Like specifically right now. And the reason being is I love Christmas time and I don't care if it's cold, yeah. let it snow, let it snow. January, I'm all right with, in my mind, it's winter. When it starts to get to February, it's cold every day. It feels like, it feels like, you know, it's going to, but at the time it feels like winter is never going to end. Like it's going to, it feels like it's going to be cold forever once you hit February. But one thing in, in terms of the weather, and you said this perfectly, the four seasons, I miss that very much. Again, being gone for the last five years, everything down here, it, it, like the grass is always green, you know? And <laughs> yeah. it's like nothing changes. Like in Florida, and I'm sure it's, the same way in Texas and California and in a lot of other states, when it goes from like, you know, when it hits April 1st or, or May 1st or June 1st, it's just another day on the calendar. In Western New York, when it gets to May 1st, you start to feel a lot more energy. You know, it's starting to feel positive. You know, right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the weather's coming because you are a hundred percent right. The summers in Buffalo are just beautiful. Everything goes out in the summer and it's kind of like your reward. You gut out the winter. You do some stuff in the spring and you live for the summer and you get your yeah. reward because there's just so much going on in the summer. Now, one thing that goes on in Buffalo 24-7 year round is wings and pizza. I am oh, a yeah. big chicken wing guy. I'm a big pizza guy. And yet again, another thing you take for granted when you live there and you move. Pizza right. and wings are unbelievable in Buffalo. Here in Florida, I'm just going to say it. They suck. Terrible. The pizza, <laughs> the, the pizza, we'll call the pizza tolerable. The chicken wings are trash. They're just terrible. I miss that. I'm a big wings guy, a big pizza guy. Like, what are a few of your favorite, like, wings or or pizza spots in Western New York? Oh, man. I know. I'm such a food person, too. Okay. Um, Barbell for wings. Sure. Hands down. Um, I can't even think of the kind that I like because it's, like, a really weird name and my sister always orders for us. But <laughs> it's, like, it's um, sweet. Cajun honey butter barbecue, something to that effect. And it's just amazing. And I will say that I like flats versus drums, but I will mm -hmm. eat both. And yeah, right. And pizza wise, um, I like Ronnie's here in Lancaster. And then if I'm not in Lancaster, Franco's, Franco's. I don't know why I'm saying that wrong because I've done a million live shots there and I always have pizza when I'm there and it's always amazing. Franco's. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> last question here. Then we're going to end with the, the fun fact finale, which I love doing when I have meeting people on. I'm going to ask you the age old advice question. You, you hit on it a little bit earlier because you never know who may be listening uh, that you might influence. I'm sure when you were growing up, you had people 
that you saw on TV or, well, there wasn't a podcast at the time, but you know, radio, I'm sure you had a lot of influences. Somebody might be listening, a teenager might be listening to this or somebody younger who, who wants to get started with their career. And, you know, you might have some good advice for them. So for anyone out there who may be interested in having a career in the same field that you're carving out for yourself right now, like what's the best advice you can give them? And now I know one thing you said was about not trying to necessarily start out in a big market. Like don't get your first job in New York city or LA. So you said that, like, what are one or two other things that you would advise somebody who wants to do what you do? Yeah. So getting that experience, of course, you know, being out there shooting everything yourself and really out in the field, you know, not with a photographer, learning it on your own, writing, doing your live shots and, just really, that gave me an opportunity to grow so much and really trust and believe in myself, kind of as cliche as that sounds, but really like you build your confidence when you're in those smaller markets. So I think that was a game changer, as I mentioned. Um, I would say to really be yourself. Everybody's always like so shocked at how myself I am on TV because I literally am like as crazy and like loud and excited as I am right now. Obviously, warranted the story. You know, if we're out on some serious news, I'm not going to be like running around and all happy. But you know what I mean? Like for the most yeah, yeah, part, yeah. I, I think that I'm myself and it conveys on camera. And I think people really are drawn to genuineness. So that's always really important for me too to just be yourself. And Lastly, you really have to love it because you make so many sacrifices in this field, whether it's working a holiday or working every holiday or working weekends or working like crappy hours. So you need to love what you do, love storytelling and, you know, helping others. And I think that's the payoff, like how much you love your job, because you're going to miss out on other things like we mentioned before. Great advice. Great advice. All right, so let's end this with the fun fact finale. Okay. And for people who are new, I'm just going to say it this way. I'm just going to ask you some random questions, not a lot of like deep thought required, like kind of whatever is the first thing that pops okay. in your mind. We'll, we'll just run with that. That'll be your answer. You good to go? Yes. All right. Favorite all-time athlete? Oh, right now it's Josh Allen. Okay, that's good. Favorite city you visited? Now, again, in your case, it's not like you've had a ton of them. So you might not have to think on this one for quite as long as some other people. But like, what's your favorite non-Western New York City that you have visited? I love Tampa and Clearwater Beach. I'm an hour from there. Oh, you're so lucky. That That's the only place <laughs> I would leave Buffalo for. It is. It is pretty nice. Uh, who is your first celebrity crush that you can remember? Leonardo DiCaprio, Titanic. I watched it when I was like seven. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> what is your go-to snack? Like if, if if you're up in the middle of the night, well, in your case, you're up for good in the middle oh, of the yeah. night, but at some time you go to bed and you know, you can't sleep, you get up and you want to hit the fridge or the pantry or whatever. Like what's your like go-to snack? Cheddar flavor blasted goldfish. I could live off of those. And I pretty much did like when I lived away from home. <laughs> <laughs> What movie have you probably rewatched more than any other movie? Titanic. Again, it's not because I'm obsessed with Leo. I'm just like obsessed with Titanic. I'm not going to get into this, but I just love Titanic a lot. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I actually saw that at the drive-in. I remember seeing it at the the, uh, Liveport drive-in when it was out. Oh my gosh. Um, What what would you consider, like, call yourself out here a little bit. Like, what's your worst habit? Um, 
my sleeping, it's very, very, very bad and irregular. And also I bite my nails. I don't like that. I try not to. If I have them painted, I won't bite them. So I try to paint them not to bite them. Well, as long as you don't bite them on air, you're good. Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) Name a TV game show that if you were on it, you feel like you could potentially dominate or at least win, whether it's something current or or something from the past. Like what game show you think you could do well on? Family Feud, 110%. I try to get my family to be in on this because we all play the game at my house. So one day, I'm telling you, we will be on there one day. (laughs) Okay. Um, All right. So- in this world, you, you're an awesome singer, all right? And you and I are, instead of doing this interview right now, 1,300 miles away via uh, software that we're using, let's say we're sitting at, at a club at Lancaster. We take the podcast. We're all done. Have a drink. I say, Gabby, get up there, man. There's karaoke going on. I, I want you to sing. And in this world, again, you're an awesome singer, and you're going to grab the mic. Like, what song are you going to sing that – is going to get the crowd going, whether it's like an anthem style song, whether it's something slow that people are getting into, just something what like, at least in your own mind anyway, even if you don't have one, like what's your signature karaoke song? Okay. So I used to go to karaoke a lot when I was on a different shift and I like all the Disney classics. It's really hard to choose which one, but if I have to pick like a modern song, I don't know if you know this song, Driver's License by Chance. I don't. I'm okay, gonna have, you're gonna, I'm gonna have to li- listen to it. As soon as we're done, I'm gonna listen to it. It's driver's like a license anthem. Yeah, driver's license. You Where's just it from? Disney. This is it's... not. What is a Disney one? No, this is from a, a Disney. Oh this no, Disney, Disney, Disney classics are what I like usually do. Oh, like oh okay. But this is like an actual modern song that you have to listen to. It's like it brings you back all the way to when you were 16 and you had like your first heartbreak. It's very intense. All right, I'm literally going to listen to that as we're done taping this. All right, last couple here. So it appears, I mean, going back to college now and the experiences in your career that you've been groomed for this and you've been locked in for quite a while. But let's just say that you never got involved in the broadcast journalism industry in any fashion. Or you tried it, you gave it a little bit of a shot and it just didn't work out for you for whatever reason. Uh, What do you think that you may have went on to do with your life? I think... I would have been a teacher because I love kids, but at at the same time, I think I went the right way because I don't have all the patience in the world. They are saints. Like teachers are saints. They mold our young minds and they are just angelic. My mom is actually a teacher aide in Lancaster. So she is just an angel and I don't know how she does it every day, but that would be something that I would have wanted to go into teaching. Okay. That's good. Um, Who would you consider your favorite Twitter follow? Like if, Twitter sent you a note and they said, Hey Gab, you know what? We're going to, uh, we have a new policy and you're only allowed to have one follow on Twitter. We're taking away every single person or every single organization or whatever that you follow. Like who would be that one follow that you had again, whether it's a person, an organization, whether it could be something funny, TV news, whatever it may be. You can only follow one handle though. Who would you follow? I'm following them. Yes, you're following them, but you're going to lose everybody that you follow, except oh, for one. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Not easy. I gotta say, yeah, I can't make all these that easy. I know. This is like, I don't know why this is the hardest one for me. Because <laughs> I don't when you go- follow anything like really cool. I mean, I just like follow our colleagues in news, which is fine. Like, that's cool. But I. Well, let me let me put it to you this way. 
when you get up or not get, when you take your phone or your laptop, whatever you ha- have in front of you and you go on your Twitter, is there the like one specific thing that you look forward to looking to uh, seeing the most? I'll give you a quick example. With me, with Donald Trump, I don't like Donald Trump. I'm not getting into no political conversation, but he was so, it was so crazy just to see what he was going to say. And even if I didn't want to, mentally in my mind, I got up, I'm like, well, what did our president say today? You know what I mean? And I would go on Twitter and it would be the first thing I would look for when I went on Twitter. Like, so maybe if I put it to you that way. Okay. That, hopefully that it's something that's more positive. Um, I like looking for funny things on Twitter. Like, I like things that kind of distract me from the news. So back to my theme of, you know, watching The Bachelor, I love looking for, like, funny tweets about that. They have, like, parody accounts and stuff. Mm -hmm. So anything with memes that can make you laugh and just take you away from the COVID world for a minute, that is what I would go with. So there's there's no specific. But if we're talking about, like, somebody I thought was cool that followed me, I am, like, such a dork, and I was so excited when Mayor Brian Brown followed me when I got to Buffalo. <laughs> so that was like what I thought the question was initially. So I was all prepared for that, but this threw me for a loop. All right, well that that works. That's good. All right, so <laughs> last two here. Give us a a fun fact about you that maybe most people don't know. I like to sing, and I really used to sing a lot. I know we touched on it earlier, but a fun fact to do with that is. When I was in third grade, I actually sang the national anthem for the Bisons, and it's on video somewhere, so I got to find that. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow, that's really cool. That and I'm glad I like that you sing. Usually when I do the karaoke question, some, and, and I kind of modified it because every time I would say it, some, whoever my guest was, well, I don't sing. I'm like, all right, well, pretend <laughs> that you sing. But you actually do sing, so that's really cool. All right, last question here. So you could have this evening dinner at your house and, you know, dinner, drink, whatever have you. And you could have three people, mm-hmm. famous people from any walk of life, any era, dead or alive, doesn't matter, but you could have them at your house tonight for dinner, drinks, conversation, hangout, talk. Uh, who would you have? Three famous dinner guests from any era. Mm. This is always the toughest one. Yeah, this is a stump. Okay, obviously Leonardo DiCaprio for one of them because he, sure. he's just incredible in every way. <laughs> I kind of figured that one after you, you talked about Titanic back. twice. <laughs> that was coming. Um, not to sound like a total dork, but right now, you know, with COVID, it'd be really nice to have my grandparents over for dinner. They're obviously still here. They're alive. But I would just like to, you know, be able to hang out with them because we haven't really sure. been able to see them. And then um, somebody, I don't know. Uh, somebody, somebody who's really intriguing you. Somebody you'd love to, whether it's just pick their brain or hear a funny story. Just mm. ask them about anything. It always sounds easy in theory, but it's no. hard to actually come up with people. I know. I think, oh my gosh, I should have prepared. I didn't see this question. <laughs> Good. I like that. I like these real time, real reactions. Trust, really trust me when I say, Gabby, I, mean, I promise, I promise you, you're not the first one who's been stuffed on this question. It's happened numerous times. I just feel like I cannot think. You know, Betty White. Betty White, 99 years old. Yeah, I just like to pick her brain and, you know, just ask her not only about her career, but how she 
is so with it and so active and doing so great for her age. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, everybody, give Gabby a follow on Twitter at Gabriel Media. Of course, check out Channel 4. This was fun, man. I really enjoyed talking to you. It took us a while to put it together. Like I said, I wanted to wait to the end of the Bills season right. so that I can maximize people caring about other things in the world right now <laughs> know, besides the, just the Buffalo Bills. But I'm sure people are going to love hearing your story and a, lot, and a lot of interesting stuff about you. So thank you very much for doing this podcast. It was great to have you on. Oh, thank you, Patrick. This was a lot of fun for me. And again, my first podcast ever. So thank you for, you know, walking me through the ropes. All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for another episode. Very big thank you again. Gabrielle Mediac. Man, she's awesome. That was a lot of fun. I said it in the intro. I'm going to say it again. Genuinely one of the nicest people that I've ever talked to in my life. Such a positive person. Love people like that. So thank you very much, Gabby. That was great. Guys, girls, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead. Do that right now. Rate and review. All that fun stuff. It really helps me continue to grow this show. Also, follow us on YouTube. Talk About Flow Podcast YouTube channel. I'm going to have highlight clips from current and past episodes up there. Pretty soon, some original content that you're only going to find on that channel. You won't hear it or see it anywhere else, including this very podcast right here. Again, Talk About Flow Podcast on YouTube. Then, of course, last but not least, follow me on Twitter at Pamoran Tweets. I am constantly on Twitter, literally 24-7 I'm on Twitter. Podcast updates, promos, upcoming guests, sports talks with fans. I just love being on Twitter at Pamoran Tweets. Thank you very, very much for listening. I say it all the time. I really mean it. There's just so many great shows out there. The competition is more fierce, bigger than ever. And when you're locked into this show for 30, 45, 60 minutes, whatever it may be, I promise you this, folks, it does not go unnoticed. So thank you very much. I appreciate all of you. Have a good week. Good weekend, I should say. Stay safe. I will be back with a brand new episode next Tuesday. Hey guys, it's Mike. As you know, I adopted my pup Rocky from a local rescue. Now, when people ask me what kind of dog Rocky was, I was always stumped. I used an Embark Dog DNA test to decode my most puzzling questions about Rocky. You can also learn about your dog's inner secrets with Embark, the highest rated dog DNA test. Unlock over 350 breeds and screen for over 200 genetic health risks. Save $50 on a breed and health kit with promo code KIT at EmbarkVet.com. Again, that's promo code KIT.